Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Well, you know what? I've got a great lineup of guests this week. So much to talk about, of course, lots of things going on in the market. And one of the things that a lot of people think is the sky is falling. You know, you hear stories about deals potentially falling apart at the last hour. Well, we've got a group of experts that are going to be talking with us uh, today about that. Um, joining me shortly is Mr. Phil Soper. He is president of Royal page and then we're gonna be talking to Ray Ferris he is the past president of the Ontario Real Estate Association Ray has been a guest numerous times here at Simply Real Estate and always good to have his input and a little bit later I've got Mark Wiseletter he is a Toronto real estate lawyer joining me and uh, we're gonna be talking about these deals and how you could probably you know make sure your deal does not come apart and Mark's gonna give us a lot of great information with that and and later in the hour, I've got minutes with the mayor, and guess where we're going? Niagara Falls. We're going to see what is going on in Niagara Falls, and it's not just the water. So definitely, we will be talking a lot about the uh, what's going on in the market today. And you know, I'm pretty excited. I think that uh, I think we may see a turning point in the next little while. Uh, market has been adjusting here and there. Of course, if you did buy in the peak, you know, you might be getting affected slightly. But the truth is, is that I think we're going to start seeing a little bit more stability but I don't have to be the only one talking about it right now I'm going to introduce my guest Mr. Phil Soper he is president of Royal LePage and a returning guest and Phil welcome back to the show hey great to be on Tom. you have been in the headlines there's lots of things floating around with the market uh, a big shift since you and I last spoke actually it's uh, maybe you can help our listeners understand exactly what's happening in the market for people in Toronto it may seem like unexpected and from nowhere but we were anticipating this, and we called uh, a market correction for 2017. It just got exasperated by some of the new legislation. I, it, one more point on that, though. It's following almost an identical pattern that happened a year earlier in Vancouver, and Vancouver uh, is emerging from that market correction about a year after it, it began. Yeah, actually, when taking a look at the stats, they're saying that, um, you know, Vancouver's pretty much, you know, gained most of their losses back. They're they're in a, you know, a, a strong position again. Um, when when we talk about the Toronto market, though, Phil, you know, you're 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 always in the forefront. Uh, you know, it's always wonderful seeing all your reports that you're you're letting the public in on. But, you know, is is the sky really falling as much as everybody thinks? Because I struggle how reports are now written when they turn around and say the market is off by 40 percent people need to understand that's not the price it's the actual volume of units You've got being it. Sold. absolutely you know and so a lot of the a lot of these headlines i i think they scare everybody and say hey what's going on well they do and people do get their head around it they go okay so sales are down 40 percent but uh, prices are down too because people report month over month prices when they re what they really should be doing is looking year over year or at a minimum quarter over quarter the problem with single months, four weeks in a year, it can be impacted by weather, it can be impacted by global events, it can be impacted by, you know, a, a, a war in a far off country, or in our case, by legislation that's brought in. So you need to take, I like year over year, quarter over quarter, year over year. So looking at the second quarter versus second quarter last year, it's, it's uh, three months, it gives a much better feel. And if you do that, you see the prices have slowed to 
you know, single-digit increases year over year are around 10%, down from over 20%. So they have the increases have slowed, but prices are still up year over year. Yeah, excellent. So uh, just uh, so we know, Phil, you, there was a recent report on millennials and, you know, uh, obviously a hot topic. What's going on with them? We've done a study on first-time buyers. Uh, we do one about every five years, a really extensive study. This one looked at uh, people uh, that are today aged from early 20s to mid, mid-30s uh, right across Canada. But we focused on Uh, a demographic that uh, social scientists are now calling peak millennials. So those are people 25 to 30 years old today, and they represent the largest group of Canadians and Americans uh, ever. So they're even bigger, a bigger bump in the population um, than uh, boomers were back in the day. And they are going to change the world uh, just because of their sheer numbers. So we studied that group specifically, and we found that 87% of them uh, felt that uh, real estate was a good investment and they intended to find a way to buy. The challenging thing is 67% of them, or two-thirds, felt they were going to have difficulty affording uh, a home. And, you know, those numbers get skewed by Vancouver and Toronto because Vancouver and Toronto are so big in Canada. Uh, Outside of those two cities... We don't have an affordability problem, but in in uh, Vancouver particularly, and also Toronto, we do, and it and it is going to be tough for millennials. Any advice to our listeners, Phil? Uh, you know, obviously, you're you're looking into the future. Any advice that people should be looking at the market right now? I think young people should look at three things: the type of property they're buying, the time to enter the market. So how long uh, did they plan to save and and location, where they're going to buy their home. So obviously in a place like the GTA, for your first home, most people are going to buy a condominium. And despite even in our own numbers, if you look at the uh, Roller Page house price composite in Toronto, you know, you're looking looking at uh, about $450,000 for a typical condominium, which is is that's the the middle price, the medium price, but there are lots of product that's cheaper than that. It's it's a fallacy that there isn't uh, homes that young people can afford. It's just going to be a small home. The second one is down payment with uh, new restrictions on mortgage uh, insurance availability. It does take a little bit longer, but start saving, make it a priority, uh, and you will have that down payment saved, and you'll be able to get into housing. And the, the third one is location. Uh, about 52% uh, of millennials are still interested in raising a family in a detached home. And in the GTA, that means uh, a detached home uh, that isn't going to be you know, close to downtown. So you are, you are going to have something of a commute. Or um, reset your expectations and start with uh, a condominium. Yeah. Excellent. Well, listen, Phil, always a pleasure to, to chat with you, and thank you so much for joining us. And, oh, my uh, pleasure. We'll definitely be in touch in the near future.
Okay, you take care. Uh, enjoy the rest of your show. Excellent. Thank you so much, folks. That was Mr. Phil Soper, president of Royal LePage. So my next guest uh, joining me is no stranger to Simply Real Estate. He's always great to have on. It's Mr. Ray Ferris, former president of Aria and Erie's Edge Realtor. Good afternoon, Ray. Good afternoon, Todd. You and I, you know, we, we, we pick up a few conversations every few weeks, you know, talking about the market, talking about what people are talking about in the market. And there was something that got under your skin and I kind of agree with you. And I thought I would share it with our listeners. Recent Toronto Star article, home sellers struggling with closing complications after big chill hits market. Tell you what, why don't you share our, your opinion with us? When I read the article, Todd, immediately I thought that it gave the impression that buyers could just simply walk away from a real estate transaction and forfeit their deposit. And as you and I both know, you can't do that. A contract is a contract. And even when real estate prices drop, uh, a buyer can't change their mind because the value of the house that they purchased has dropped. It is less than it was a few months prior. No more than could a seller refuse to close a transaction because prices have increased. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that, and, and I mentioned that uh, the other week, actually, that, you know, the idea that people people get all antsy, and if you had a long enough closing, let's say last year, you know, some people made off like bandits, you know, property might have right. gone up 50 or 100,000 by the time they uh, by the time they closed. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You've been a practicing uh, broker for a very long time, you know, you're in, a, you know, an outer market, but still very active market. Some advice for people nowadays, definitely, let's bring back conditions in the offer, condition on financing, condition on inspection. You know, one of the things I think we need to encourage people is that if you do buy something, you know, make sure you get to your appraiser right away and your financing right away. What's, what do you see in the industry right now people need to focus on? Well, you know, Todd, you nailed it. And that was a couple other issues that bugged me about that Toronto Star article. When we had that spring market that was so fast paced and out of control, we were seeing people submit offers without any conditions whatsoever. And then what would happen, a couple weeks prior to closing, we'd receive a call from an appraiser wanting to appraise the house for the purposes of financing. And that's problematic for a couple of reasons. It gets sellers nervous that their transaction isn't actually going to close because they thought they had a firm transaction and now all of a sudden the bank wants to do an appraisal, which obviously means that the buyer needs financing. And there always is that risk that the appraisal doesn't substantiate the purchase price of the property. I can think of a particular case in my own market where a buyer offered $380,000 on a property that was only a few hours on the market. And then a few days prior to closing, they needed a bank appraisal. And the bank appraisal came in $30,000 less than their proposed purchase. So what lessons can we take away from that? First, the buyer should have got an appraisal immediately after submitting an offer on their property. I am loath to the situations where we get bank appraisals requested two weeks prior to closing because that really can throw a wrench in the closing of the transaction if the appraisal doesn't validate the purchase price. And another thing that's really important that I think buyers should do is always get a letter of commitment from their lender. A letter of commitment will confirm that the financing is in place and it will also lay out any conditions that may be part of 
the financing approval. Sometimes buyers need an appraisal to close the transaction. In rural properties, they might need a water potability test or a septic inspection as well. So all of these things need to be done as soon as possible after an offer has been submitted. Well, listen, Ray, always uh, great advice coming from you. Thanks for joining me. Uh, you know what? I'll definitely uh, reach out to you in the next few weeks. You and I can keep watching this market as we turn into the fall. We'll see if it continues. Awesome, Todd. Have a great weekend. Folks, that is former president of OREA, Mr. Ray Ferris. And coming up after the break, I have Mark Weisletter joining me in the studio. We are going to be talking about closing transactions. He is a Toronto real estate lawyer. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, my next guest is Mr. Mark Wiseletter, and he is a Toronto lawyer, author, course developer for the real estate industry, and somebody you will hear on a regular basis here at News Talk 1010. I had Mark on my show a year ago, and we had a great visit, and welcome back, Mark. Thank you. Thank you very much, Todd. It's great to be here. So, Mark, uh, I, I got to tell you, boy, has the market ever changed since you and I last spoke? I mean, it's, been, it's probably just been about a year, and I remember, uh, you know, we had a live show lots of people were calling asking things you know because the crazy crazy market that we were faced with you know all these multiple offers things selling over asking what a what a difference a year makes i know uh, i could have characterized the market a year ago as one word greed right greed sellers were never satisfied you know always trying to get that extra five thousand dollars now please close with me same sellers please close yeah they're begging aren't they you know a lot of a lot of stuff actually a lot of news in the the news uh the last little while we've been hearing of this tales and 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 just uh, before i go down the road mark why don't you tell our listeners you know uh, about your company exactly what you guys do and then we're going to talk about what's going on in the market oh well thank you thank you very much todd Uh, i'm a real estate lawyer i've been doing this for over 30 years and uh our company, realestatelawyers.ca-llp. We uh, close real estate deals, residential and commercial, all across the province. And one of our main uh, values is we actually go to the client to sign up all the papers. So you don't have to miss work. We make the closing really simple. And it doesn't matter where you live, all over the GTA and beyond. We'll come to you to sign the papers. And clients really appreciate that. It makes the whole closing experience a lot less stressful. Now, does that mean that people can actually access you in the evenings? Um, because, I mean, if you're coming to their house, I mean, are they at home during the day or are they actually at, uh, in the evenings you go out? Most of the clients, because they work, they w- want people to come to their homes in the evenings or on weekends to do the paperwork so they don't have to miss any work. And we also make it very simple to transfer money to our trust account. They just have to go to their branch. They don't have to run around on the day of closing with certified checks or bank drafts. So we try to make the whole experience really as uncomplicated as possible and also be very price competitive uh, with all the other law firms. Excellent. Well, you know, that's a little bit of a refreshing take on it because I know a lot of people, you know, they always have to get out of work and make sure they do all the running around. So it's nice that there's a service like yours in play. So let's go back to, you know, some of the headlines that have been happening in the news lately. And, you know, we can talk definitely about, um, you know, closings. So uh, in the news uh, last week, as I had mentioned on the show, folks, um, there was a situation 
in Vancouver where a buyer and seller had agreed on a purchase and uh, what happened was the buyer of course bailed out because the market had changed and when the seller did go through the process of reselling the property uh, they didn't get the same amount as what the first contract stated and they ended up getting awarded through the courts a three over a three hundred thousand dollar payment uh, that the uh, that the original buyer had to come up with and pay the, the the seller and so you know of course you know move everything forward ahead a year we're now in the Toronto real estate market mark and are we starting to see this a little bit more commonplace or maybe take us through some of the scenarios that you've seen or heard of well as you can imagine the market just kept going up and it probably reached the top in the March April time frame so people were signing deals at that point and they were they were buying first then thinking they would put their own home for sale and they would be easily getting enough money to close their purchase and the, the deals were scheduled to close at the end of June perhaps the end of July and so what happened is then the government made their announcement about the changes at the same time there was the problem with home trust and uh, loans sure. and then other lenders started to get a little bit uh, more nervous and as uh, this whole combined effect led to the downturn in the market so all of a sudden those people who bought got hit on two two sides number one they couldn't sell the house that they have for the price they thought and number two when the bank went to appraise the house they bought they said well you overpaid in March and April and we're not going to give you the amount that you need so now you have situations where these buyers who in good faith yep. made offers in March and April they can't close at the end of June. And so they're facing a lot of the same, and I've had experience with a lot of these deals where these things happen, and they're facing similar problems to what went on in your example in Vancouver. Right. You know, it's interesting though, um, you, you, you just touched on something and, and you know, one of the comments I have to it is this, when people, when people buy a property, you know, they'll do that 90 day or 120 day closing. And a lot of times, you know, they'll do shorter, 30, 60, depending on what their, their personal situation is. But have you ever noticed that buyers also wait to get their financing arranged? You know, they say, oh yeah, no problem. We've got lots of time. They kind of wait to that last minute. And the reason why I bring this up is because when people have to have the bank do their appraisal, it's much better for them to jump on the appraisal immediately in the market that they push, that they actually purchased in. And so if you bought in, let's say April, they probably should have had the appraiser go in April and get their financing arranged. But instead they wait until May and say, oh yeah, we've got lots of time. And I've had a few of our listeners actually call me up and say, yeah, Todd, they haven't even done the appraisal yet. And they're gonna be, you know, they, they think we're gonna be closing soon. What's your advice in a scenario like that? Yeah, with, with some of the lenders, uh, they'll do the appraisal right away. So they'll uh, commit that as soon as you buy, they'll get the appraisal done. They can sometimes do it online and let you know that you're approved for the amount. So it's always better to do that right away. Uh, the difficulty is when you buy without a financing condition. Now, uh, today, because the market has settled a little bit, you're seeing more financing conditions come into the agreement so that these problems don't necessarily have to happen. You do your deal, you go to the bank, the bank does the appraisal, and you're done. That's one of the benefits of a more stable market that we're seeing today. 
Yeah, excellent. Um, you know, there's lots for us to talk about today, and I really great, uh, greatly appreciate you coming in. Um, uh, hopefully, you can stay put for for another segment, if you don't mind. We're going to go to a quick break in a second, uh, folks. If you're just joining me, uh, I've got uh, Mark Wiseletter, and and he is a uh, real estate lawyer in Toronto. He's also an author, course developer, and he does a lot of uh, speaking in the real estate industry. And you've heard him here quite a few times on News Talk 1010, on Ask the Experts, and with a lot of the other. Uh, real estate professionals in the industry. So, um, you know, Mark, one of the things that uh, people need to know, again, about your business, and, and, and again, I, I find it quite convenient, is the fact that you will actually go to their homes. Um, best way for people to reach you, of course? Thank you. Well, by email, it's mark, M-A-R-K, at realestatelawyers, with an S on the end, dot C-A. So that's the easiest. And I have a toll-free telephone number, which is one 888 Eight seven six five five two nine. Okay, excellent. Listen, Mark, stay put. When we come back, um, I'm going to ask you a little bit about some of the scenarios that are happening out there. And one of the things that I think people should make sure that they have in their offer. So, folks, when we come back, we've got more with Mark Wiseletter. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Mr. Mark Wiseletter, and he is a Toronto lawyer, real estate lawyer, author, course developer for the real estate industry, and a, uh, a really a public speaker and somebody that can you can reach out to and get some really good advice. Now, uh, Mark, just before the break, you and I were talking about the scenario where some people are struggling a little with the idea of closing. Let's back up the idea here. That okay? So you've got a per- you've got a purchaser. That they bought, markets dropped down a little, now they're getting concerned. You know, we hear things such as a price adjustment. Is this commonplace? Are you seeing a little bit more of this negotiation after the fact? Is this something that a lot of these sellers that are waiting for the properties to close today, is this something they should be uh, concerned about? Well, I, I've experienced a lot of this myself and you have to understand every situation is a little bit different and you have to look at every situation a little bit differently you mentioned that case in vancouver a buyer doesn't close and and the seller gets a judgment for three hundred thousand dollars which is the difference in the price and uh, you know they get paid whole what you're not saying is well how long did that take going to court in my experience a court case is three five years sometimes and will the buyer even have any money at the end of that process you could and you're paying your lawyer a fortune in the meantime sure. hoping you're going to collect this judgment so people have to understand that when there is a price adjustment and people say well why are you accepting a price adjustment because frankly when you weigh that against the costs of litigation the stress the time sometimes the price adjustment is the best way for everybody to just get out and move forward and so we've seen that a lot in deals and so you know uh I've advised both buyers and sellers on this, and in some cases, sellers see, look, uh, the buyer is asking for a $50,000 price reduction. If you put the house on the market, you may sell for 150000 less, and there's no guarantee you're going to collect all of that from the buyer, and we don't know how much money the buyer has. Right, no, but a point, point to, to talk about, though, of course, is when people have an offer in, you know, they put in a, um, they put in a uh, deposit with their offer, and, and, you know, we saw a lot of the, the bigger deposits coming through, especially when the price starts going over a million dollars. You know, you may see a $50,000 deposit. Um, one of the things that, you know, I don't know if all buyers and sellers understand is that when that money is held in a trust account, normally by the listing brokerage 
um, that money is locked in there until both parties agree to release it. Now, this can happen during the sale, meaning the closing part of the transaction. But if there is failure to close, that money doesn't just automatically go to the seller. No, no that sits there. That's what people don't understand. Until a judge says, take the deposit, pay it to the buyer, pay it to the seller, that's right. sitting there. And that could sit there for three to four years. This is what people don't understand. They don't have an automatic right yep. to grab that money. Right. Now, again, they can if both parties agree to it. So they, they do the mutual release of the funds to, and they can direct it that way. So the buyer could turn around and say, sorry, Mr. Seller, there's no way I'm going to close. But if you keep my deposit, I'll walk away. And so they may keep 50000 25 whatever that number is. But, you know, again, sellers, sellers may sit there and say, well, you know, give me the money. Well, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And in some cases, what we do, we say, look, we don't know how much we're going to lose. You've offered the 50,000 deposits. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to put the house back on the market. Yep. Let's see what somebody else brings in. If they bring in an offer that is 60,000 less, mm -hmm. okay, we have your $50,000. We'll call it a day. Sure. But if it's 100,000 less, maybe we'll negotiate a little bit more. So you see, every situation requires a little bit of thought and strategy. But what I've been happy is that almost most deals that I've had that have gotten into trouble, mm -hmm. we've been able to save somehow through extensions, sure. reductions, etc. So, so who's doing that negotiation? Okay, because this the, the, the truth is, is that, you know, your your realtors had done the initial transaction, you know, listing agent, buyer agent, you know, they, they've done the negotiation with the clients. Here they are, they're just sitting back waiting for their commissions. And, and again, not to fault any agents, okay. But the point is, is that now we're in this this questionable period where we're in a kind of a, a frozen state. Okay. Um, is it now the lawyers working with the clients doing the negotiation? Are realtors now out of it? I, I think it's better for the lawyers to take the lead in the negotiations because a realtor could say something wrong during the negotiation. So if a realtor said, for example, my client can't close, mm -hmm. we need a reduction. Well, they've just breached the contract. They've communicated that they cannot close, that they're in breach. That affects their rights. When a lawyer does this, he's going to say, on a without prejudice basis, we're looking for a reduction. Uh, you know, we're having sure. some difficulties, but you don't want to go out and say we will not close. You, and and sure. so sometimes for a realtor to do those negotiations, it's a little tricky. That's why we say it's better to have a lawyer lead with this. And unfortunately, a lot of lawyers in the city are on both sides of these. They recognize this. And so they're able to uh, negotiate together. Right. You know, because uh, interestingly enough, you know, you, you've probably had one of the busiest uh, 18 to 24 months in your career. I know you've been at it for a long time, um, you know, but definitely the last couple of years have been just huge run up in the industry, you know, and a lot of transactions happening. Um, when we when we see something like this happen, though, you know, again, you've got the you've got the panic of now the seller because they've probably bought something. Okay, and now they're in a, a bridge situation, maybe because somebody didn't close, they had to close theirs. This can cause a rippling effect. And so is there is there anything that you can tell our listeners how to mitigate and understand and get through this? I mean, you know, we, we opened up the, the, the show by saying, you know, there was that greed about 12 months ago that was just rampant. Um, should people start to take a look at the real, you know, the reality or, or, I mean, do they just, you know, do you stand pat with concrete on your feet saying, I can't negotiate because my offer says you're going to pay me $1.5 million. Yeah, I think that, as I said earlier, everything, there's a few th principles that you should take. Number one, you shouldn't close a purchase and a sale on the same day. 
I should always close your purchase a little earlier because then you can bridge finance and make sure that your deal is closed. And so if your sale doesn't close, really what we're just talking about is extra interest, which is a lot better than your extra damages of not having closed your purchase file. So I always say close your purchase first. When you're making an offer as well, you may want to now start making offers conditional on the sale of your house. This is how we used to do it. Oh, when you sure. bought yeah. first, oh, yeah, you remember. remember, we used yeah. to make it. All of a sudden, I'm seeing those conditions again. Hey, we'll give you your price, but it's only conditional on our selling hours. If we don't sell it, we're walking away. So that's what I say is good about a stable market. If you can sure. get those kinds of things, sure. that will help you avoid the dominoes where five deals don't close because one doesn't close. Yeah, you know, because with with the with the wind government implementing, I, I call it their shotgun approach, um, well, going after foreign buyers, let's say, and you know, there, there was a few I think that bailed out because it was you know immediate. You know, they don't want to pay fifteen percent tax. Um, I had made a suggestion to some of our listeners that you know the actual buyers if you think that they're foreign buyers and they're not going to close then put it have your lawyers and your realtors sign on that say if they do not close they're in breach of a contract that the actual deposit should go immediately to the seller i mean sellers have to protect themselves at, in this part of the market now i know buyers are now sitting there saying hey listen you know where they're looking their chops prices can come down a little you know there's not the same heat more inventory but you know conditions are now starting to to come back, which we need, we needed this. I mean, the whole firm, you know, just whatever didn't work properly. Um, and, and one of the things that sellers are able to protect themselves now is let's say a buyer comes to them and says, I can't close right now. I need some extra time for my financing. I want an extension for a month. Yep. That's happening a lot. Sure. So now the seller is saying, okay, you want the extension? I'll give it to you, but you know that deposit of 50,000? Yeah. That's got to come to me now. Yeah. That's got to come to me now okay. so that if you don't close, I already have the money. Perfect. And, and, and you don't want to agree to that? I'm not giving you the extension. So you see, lawyers are putting that in now right. to try to help the buyers so that they don't have that situation you described earlier, that money sitting in a trust account for two or three for years. years. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that makes a lot of sense, though. I like that point because, you know what, if, if people are going to do the extension, and sometimes people say, oh, I need a further deposit paid. So I'll take this one, but I need some more, some extra. Because if you're going to close, you're going to close. So um, any other quick uh, piece of advice you can give our listeners? Well, it, it, as I said earlier, you know, uh, I'm still hearing about bidding wars. I'm still hearing about bidding yeah, wars in yeah, certain markets, segments. You know, even though the market's apart. fallen, there's some areas where there's still bidding wars. So, yep. And when there's bidding wars, then there's, there's this rush to make deals without conditions. Sure. And so uh, my advice, again, with that, if you're stuck there, Get your home inspection done before you make a bid, even if you're paying money out and you don't win the bid, because then at least you'll know you're doing okay. And with a, a financing, if you're not making it conditional on a bank, have an additional 5% down payment available so that if your bank says, you know what, we're not appraising it as much, we're giving you less money, you have enough money to make up the shortfall. So that would be some additional advice if you are stuck with having to make an offer without these safe conditions. Yeah, excellent. Listen, Mark, always a pleasure having you on the show. Greatly appreciate you coming in today. One more time, uh, how do our listeners reach you? Thank you. So again, my email, mark at realestatelawyers, plural, dot C-A, or toll-free, 
Eight seven six five five two nine. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks for coming on. And folks, when we come back, we've got minutes with the mayor. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just joining me now, this is what I would call probably my favorite segment of the day always. And it's minutes with the mayor. And this week, we decided that we would take a little bit further drive out of the GTA and head towards Niagara Falls. And I'm very fortunate joining me now is the mayor of of Niagara Falls, Mr. Jim Diodati. And Mr. Mayor, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Todd. It's a real pleasure, sir, having you. And uh, I have to tell you, I think, and maybe you can maybe you can help us out and understand more about Niagara Falls, because, you know, when, when people think of Niagara Falls, they actually think of the falls themselves. They think of it more of as a tourist area. And yet you've got quite an incredible municipality there. Uh, you know, you've got all sorts of education, businesses, people are living there. Um, Mr. Mayor, can you share with us uh, a lot of the good highlights of Niagara uh, Falls? Yeah, absolutely. The uh, You know, it's funny, Todd, you know, when I went to university and everyone would start off with, so where are you from, where are you from? And I'd say Niagara Falls. People sometimes would snicker a little bit. And, and I remember once I finally said, I said, what, what's so funny about that? And they said, you actually live in the city? And I said, yeah. And they go, like, where do you live? Like Clifton Hill? And I'd say, no, there's a whole city, you know, schools and churches and grocery stores, and we're a typical city, but we're misunderstood. Sometimes we say we're the biggest small town in Canada because we're so well known for the falls. We're so well known for the 14, 15 million people that come here every year, and I've traveled all around the world. I've yet to find a place where there was not instant recognition. I say Niagara Falls, it's an instant smile, and I don't care where that is, if it's the foothills of China or the mountains of India, everybody reacts the same way. And it's an interesting dichotomy because we're actually a nice town as well, about 90,000 people, and we love... We're still small enough for, you know, people know each other, people actually help each other. It's really neat in that way, but we get all the amenities of a big city because of the millions of people that come here. So it's an interesting thing. The other thing that I love is the fact that we're close to the border. If you like cross-border shopping, if you like going to uh, uh, NHL hockey games in Buffalo or NFL football games in Buffalo, that's close by. The Buffalo Airport, if you're traveling in the U.S., is about... 35 minutes away, um, yet you're close enough to the GTA if you want any of the great amenities that are offered there, you're not that far away. So we're a little bit of a mixture of attractions in two ways. We're kind of the center, but we're unique in its own way in that, like I said, you get that small town feel, but you get some bigger bigger city amenities. Yeah, and that's that's quite the amazing thing, you know, when, when you actually do a little bit more in-depth look at a municipality in like the city of Niagara Falls, you start thinking to yourself, okay, there's a lot more to it than just the falls. I mean, you are considered one of the top places in the world for people to honeymoon as well especially, you know, people outside of Canada. How, is there, is there a fluctuation that you find as far as the number of people visiting the city on a regular basis? I mean, is, do you have your peaks and valleys of your, of your visitation there? Oh, yeah. The, the, as we call it, the 100 days of summer. So things really kick off after the May 24th weekend, the long weekend. And from there until Labor Day is the key tourism season. And that's typically how it was. But I can tell you now, after that is known as the shoulder season. 
the fall and just before the summer, the spring, and the shoulder season is becoming busy. And the winter time, which one time we used to joke that you roll up the the sidewalks, and a lot of people would go to Florida for the winter. That's not the case anymore. We've got the uh, Winter Festival of Lights, which is a huge success that brings in millions of people on its own. Uh, we've been known for our New Year's Eve show, our national broadcast, which uh, was was hit millions of people as well. So a lot of people too now because we're more international other destinations around the world will come when it's their summer break which could be the opposite of when ours is so we find a lot of people will come in the fall when it's you know more the time that they're off also right. you know and i'm not sure which one i prefer the most i summer's beautiful the fall i love the turning of the leaves the gorge down by the falls is so beautiful winter time when the mist freezes and the trees and the buildings have the icicles and the glaze of frozen water mist on them they look spectacular there, there's so many different faces of niagara falls so a lot of people like to come and experience each of the different looks and see the way the falls looks in its different seasons so um there there are peaks and valleys weekends obviously are are busier than during the week so it depends some people like to go when there's lots of crowds lots of action some people people like to go when things are a little bit quieter so Obviously, closer down to the falls, it's busier. But um, uh, the whole city's really buzzing, typically all throughout the summer and weekends uh, throughout the year, and mostly in the tourist area. You don't have to go that far outside the tourist area. You're into the city proper, and things are just like any other city. Yeah, excellent. Folks, if you're just tuning in now, um, my guest right now with Minutes with the Mayor is Mr. Mayor Jim Diodati, and he is from Niagara Falls. And uh, Mr. Mayor, um, you know, when we talk about Niagara Falls, obviously, um, you've got a lot of businesses that seem to be getting more attracted to it, as well as some, you know, education areas. Can you tell us what people can, can find in that area? In, I'm sorry, uh, the, the, the education areas, you're saying? Yeah, so, you, you know, you've got, you've got some colleges that yeah. have been opening up in the area. You've also got some businesses that are starting to put their head offices in the area. Um, can, you, can you tell us how, how well it's developing in the area? Well, we've got Brock University, which is really a regional university. And it's funny how Brock has really changed over their 50-plus years. When they were, you know, when I was looking at options for university, 90% of the students at Brock were from the Niagara area, and 10% were for, from outside that area. And today it's the exact opposite. 90% of the Brock students are from outside of Niagara, and that's from all over the world and all across Canada. And only 10% are actually students from within Niagara. So Brock's really matured into quite a university with a good reputation. Niagara College is one of the most successful colleges in all of Canada and well-known around the world for so many of its great programs. And at one time, it was just culinary and these types of programs, and certainly they're still known for that and for their viticulture, for their craft brewing, for you know their, all these types of uh, industries that service the tourism industry, but in so much more with so many of the technological courses and uh, those two serve the, the the region well we've got great relationships with other post-secondary educations uh, educational institutions as well but these are the two that primarily uh, service the the Niagara area 
Right. And now also businesses. I mean, you're you're right there at the border. So obviously, there's a lot of businesses that find your location to be advantageous because it's easy to, you know, do your any kind of shipping or manufacturing. You're right there. You're right on the on the edge there. Yeah. And a lot of companies, it's funny, on their business cards, they'll have uh, New York, London, you know, there'll be some other well-known cities. And I and, and a lot of the times they'll want Niagara Falls as well because of our brand. And it's, it's so iconic. And so I, I joke sometimes and I say, Niagara Falls is like the Coca-Cola of municipalities. It's so well-recognized that the minute someone says it, you don't need to say it's this place where we have water and flowing over a rock and lots of mist. You never have ever have to explain what Niagara Falls is. As soon as you say it, it's instant recognition. It's Coca-Cola. People know right away what you're talking about. So, yeah, any any business, especially an international business that wants recognition. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was uh, traveling recently, and I was in the U.S., and they were selling wines from around the world. And uh, they were one section was, you know, Spanish wines and Germany wines, and then Niagara wines. Mm-hmm. And, and it was instant recognition. And uh, it doesn't matter. That's why once you get the word Niagara or Niagara Falls in there, it's a good way of getting extra sets of eyes on your website or your company or whatever the case may be. But it's definitely uh, one that a lot of companies like to use because of its uh, brand recognition globally. Yeah, excellent. Now we've been watching a lot of the um, a lot of the real estate change. Uh, you know, over the last few months, markets have started to you know soften up a little. Are you finding that you've still got a lot of developers like building in the area? I mean, Niagara Falls is an affordable area for people to live, and you know, but yet you've still had a I think a steady increase in your in your real estate portfolios there. Oh yeah, there's been no no decrease. I know some areas have dropped significantly. Ours have not dropped. Uh, they've definitely not. Been as hot as they have been over the last couple of years. It's cooled down a little bit. Obviously, the reaction in Toronto has an effect on all the uh, communities that are connected to it. But things are still going along quite aggressively right now. We've had uh, challenges with it being too aggressive. We've been selling out entire subdivisions even before we can get the services into the ground. So definitely real estate has been been very hot. It's been boiling. And uh, I'm glad that it's taken a little bit of a breather, slowed down just a little bit. Values have gone up, but they're still well, they're still worthwhile. Um, there's still good deals out here. Once people realize the, the proximity of Niagara Falls and just the way I explained earlier to Buffalo and Toronto, and then the amenities that we have here. We've got more than 120 wineries. We've got world-class golf courses, theater. We've got horse races. We've got amazing trail network throughout the region, along the canal, along the Niagara River. Um, great amenities and attractions and eateries because of the millions of people that come here. So you've got more choices than most would, and, and, and shopping and factory outlet options. And the list goes on and on that you realize when you move down here, boy, you get into a, a, a nice community, but you get all the amenities of a much bigger city, and the values are significantly less than some major centers like Toronto. So down here now with the advent of the GO train and the expansion of GO train right into Niagara Falls, right now it's just a... Right now, it's just a weekend summer service, um, and we've got Go Bus. But by 2023, we're going to have year-round commuter Go Train service right to Niagara Falls. So uh, people are a lot of them are speculating, a lot of them are planning, realizing well, if all I have to do is commute for a couple more years until the service gets gets up and running, 
our, our new hospital was announced, which is going to be a regional center of excellence, which is going to be located right in Niagara Falls. It's going to be a major build. So a lot of people looking for the future that want a major hospital, that want a commuter service connecting to the GTA, that want to be central to major cities yeah. but don't want to be right in those big cities and want the amenities of a big city but want the benefits of a smaller uh, city. A lot of these things are being found, and we've been discovered now, and ever since that's happened, things here in Niagara Falls have really have done up. really well. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Well, listen, Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure in helping, you know, uh, educate our listeners about Niagara Falls. Um, any chance I uh, get to sing about the wonderful things we have in Niagara Falls, I, I love the opportunity, Todd. And thanks for giving it to me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mr. Mayor. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Folks, that was the Mayor of Niagara Falls, Mr. Jim Diodati, and and I want to thank Mr. Mark Wiseletter, Phil Soper, and Ray Ferris. All my guests uh, this week have been wonderful. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. And remember, I'm back next week, Saturday at 3 p.m. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.